Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. We are experiential animals and we constantly are having experiences. And all we're doing when we say employee experience, customer experience, because it, we are experiential animals, it's how do you apply it in that setting, which I think is the, is the key. If I'm an employee in an organization, my experience is overwhelmingly going to be driven by interactions with my manager. If you're building an effective employee experience, it's got to be, for me, it's got to be where we're trying to head, what we're trying to do, what emotions we're trying to employ in our, our employees. But moreover then, how do we get the right bloody leaders in place? So Ryan, have you ever read a book called The Service Profit Chain by Earl Sasser? Uh, no. Um, I, I mean, I'll stop you here to say that most of the books that I've read feature dragons or spaceships prominently <laughs> in them. So I don't, is, the, is there a dragon in this profit? <laughs> so your literary experience is limited to Game of Thrones, is it? I mean, not entirely, but the, a lot of it, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, this is um, this is a book that I read a number of years ago. I actually went on to um, I went to Harvard for uh, one of their courses about oh, yeah. customer service years ago, and um, uh, one of the books that they talked about was this um, service profit chain. And the reason I, I raise this is because for the very first time, and this was literally twenty five years ago. They said the first thing that you have to do when creating a great service experience or service excellence, as I think it was called then, is you have to focus your, on your employees. And ever since then, I thought, yeah, that's a bloody good point, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So today we have a pickle and we have a pickle from Praveen Kumar. So thank you, Pickle. Uh, no, thank you, Pickle. I called him Pickle. Sorry about that, Praveen. <laughs> Praveen, that's, that's the highest compliment on today, anyone. Um, we all aspire to be called Pickle. Maybe, maybe that's his middle name. <laughs> it should be. Yeah. Praveen Pickle Kumar. <laughs> Praveen has written in saying, is employee experience a fad? And how do you go about building a great employee experience? Maybe I'll pass it over to you whilst I'm contemplating Praveen middle name. (laughs) (laughs) I assume you're going to start referring to me as radish. Yeah, something like that. Some fruit. Yeah. So... Is employee experience a fad? Well, I, I should start with a huge caveat that I'm a, a famously bad fat trend forecaster, um, fad spotter. I remember being a child 
and seeing um, microwaves weren't new, but we didn't have one when I was I was little, and so kind of seeing microwaves and and, and predicting that those would never take off, um, never take off. No, a, yeah, those, no, I mean it was very impractical. So those things I, called cars, they will never take off. I mean, are much look, better. yeah, who are we kidding with that? So uh, I'm bad at this, but let me let me weigh in anyway because I've got opinions. Please um, do. I think that there's two two approaches we could we could take to that question. One is is the the label employee experience a fad so in other words is, is this kind of like we're going to have an employee experience division and we're going to hire employee experience people calling it that is that a fad and then the second question underneath that is is the underlying kind of principle of the thing a fad and i have different answers for those two i think that the label might be a fad like it might be that this is just a, a, a new thing for a, a new label for talking about the way we've some organizations have been doing things for a while and then eventually we'll stop calling it that and start calling it something else to kind of keep people interested in it. So the label might be a fad, but the idea that you'll be more successful caring about your employees' experiences, like it seems hard for me to, unless we're like, we're on the, the cusp of the singularity where we're going to lay off all of our employees and replace the most sentient robots. Well, then maybe, maybe, maybe we don't need to worry about robot experience. But as long as we're employing people, Will we be better off caring about what their experience is? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't see a lot of way around that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I mean, ever since I, I say wrote that, wrote that book, read that book, I thought to myself, yeah, it, it's a bit of a no-brainer. The way I've always described it is: imagine turning around to someone and saying, "Hey, Ryan." you go and be really nice to that customer. And if you don't be really nice to that customer, there's going to be a real problem. And you get in here at six o'clock in the morning. I don't care if you, you, you know, you're not employed until eight o'clock, you're in here. And so is that going to affect how people, the loyalty they have to the organization and all the rest of it? Then clearly it does. And not only that, I mean, it's just bad leadership and everything else. So I think the key thing for me is that the key word in employee experience, just like in customer experience, is the word experience, yeah. which basically, for me, sums it up. You know, we we are experiential animals and we constantly are having experiences. And all we're doing when we say employee experience, customer experience, you could go on, couldn't you? Vacation experience. Uh, family experience, sports team experience. It's the same thing, but because it, we are experiential animals, it's how do you apply it in that setting, which I think is the, is the key. Yeah, I, I'll say, and I think I have, I know you've mentioned this before. Um, when talking about customer experience, you know, you, you've talked about going into organizations where somebody's decided, well, I guess we need to care about this customer experience thing. So let's hire a person, give them no budget and no authority and kind of let them rant in a corner for a while and eventually they'll quit and then we won't have to worry about it. And so I I worry that if, if this is a trend, if it is kind of a fad, that you might see a lot of unhealthy organizations like well, our employees are, are unhappy and we've got large turnover. Let's hire an employee experience person and yeah. put them in a corner and give them zero budget and zero authority and then blame them when things don't improve. I think like customer experience, employee experience, if it's going to work well, 
has to be diffused throughout the organization. Like everybody has, it's a management approach. Am I going to treat my employees as people? Am I going to appreciate that they have a set of needs beyond just the, the um, salary that I'm paying them, that they have goals, that they have things that they want to work towards, that they have needs outside of their work. And if we start to care a little bit about that, then um, uh, they'll, do their jobs better, all those kinds of things, as opposed to treating them like cogs in a machine where we can use EX to like whack them on the head a little, squeeze a little bit more juice out of them. Sure. Uh, what's a trick you can show me? Like that that makes me nervous. If instead it's a principle that likes CX, where it's like, well, everybody in the organization needs to care about this, then I think it's great. And I think that that would be do some good. The interesting thing is, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, to the bit about is customer experience a fad? Is this something that is Employee actually just... experience. Yeah. Right. We can have a separate so, debate about customer experience being a fad. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And that would be another interesting debate, to be honest with you. Uh, it may be a fad that's lasted 20 years, but there you go. <laughs> but the point I was trying to get to was... So you talk about having someone who's in charge of employee experience. The thing I was mulling over was, so isn't that HR's job? Yeah. And then I was thinking, yeah, well, I could say the equivalent is true for customer experience, i.e. isn't that customer service's job? But the answer I would give about customer experience would be no customer service is part of the employee experience. And I guess, thinking about it, now I'm arguing against myself, the dealing with HR is part of the employee experience. So maybe it maybe it should that sort of should reside there. But I think overall oh, can, I, and, can and, I push back on that? Yeah, go on. Like I I think HR can play and my, my brother works in HR. We've we had those discussions about this. I think HR plays a, a critical role. But if, if I'm an employee in an organization, my experience is overwhelmingly going to be driven by interactions with my manager. I agree with that. I think I was trying to draw the parallel of, do you need someone who is in charge of uh, leading leading it within an organization? So if, let, let's go to customer experience. Yeah. Customer experience. The theory goes that you should have somebody at a senior level that's in charge of customer experience and they pull together all the strings that that, that you need to to provide an, an omni-channel experience. But let's also be very clear, everybody in the organization's responsibility is to provide a great customer experience and blah, 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 blah. So the same thing applies with employee experience, which is it's everybody's job to do with those things. Having said that, do you need someone that is in charge of that? And that's where I was mulling over the the uh, human resource thing. But, I mean, let, let's say at the very beginning, or let me say at the very beginning of this discussion, that I think that this is really simple. I think that you can very simply just turn around and say, everything we've talked about on these podcasts, and I've been working on for 20 years, in this area to do with customer experience is exactly the same as employee experience because guess what? You're talking about a person and that's the key. How that manifests itself is the interesting bit. So I would advocate journey maps 
I would advocate thinking about the employee and the different journeys they go on. So the the, the joining, you know, the recruitment experience, the mm-hmm. uh, training experience, and and I would advocate drawing out our employee journey of what they're meant to do. I would advocate that a key question becomes just like with customer experience, then if you are to, what's the experience that you're trying to deliver? So last week we actually recorded, didn't we, um, a podcast on the seven key strategic questions. You could just put those questions really to HR, uh, not HR, to the employee experience as well. So it's the same thing. Yeah. No, I agree. So I think the interesting bit though becomes how do they apply? So let let maybe let's turn our attentions to so if we were to look at some of the big theories like peak end rule, loss aversion, prospect theory, the heuristics, you know, the multitude of heuristics, etc. How do they apply? How would they manifest themselves in a an employee experience and when would you use that? Any thoughts? I mean, we literally could go through the list. Uh, I'll, I'll highlight a couple that kind of come to mind. One of the big insights, if I only have, you know, a half an hour to teach people about behavioral science, I start with reference points. Um, I think that that's, it's one of the, the, the real key insights. If you want to understand people, figure out what is it that they're comparing you to, because that drives a lot of how we evaluate things. You hear a lot of stories about employers not wanting employees to discuss salary. Um, which, yeah. depending on where you live, may be an illegal request that management is making. Um, in some places, it's protected by law that you're allowed to talk about that. Okay. But the re- you can understand why management doesn't like that, and it comes down to reference points. I may be perfectly happy with my salary. I think that I'm getting paid just fine until I find out that Bob, to offices over, is doing the same job I am, but being paid you know, $20,000 a year more. That Bob is a bloody idiot, mate. Or and he's comparison- not even good at his job. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, uh, so it, as soon as that reference point is made available, now all of a sudden I'm very unhappy with myself sure. where I was before I was. So if you want to know how you're in, and this isn't a, uh, limited to just salary. If you want to know how yeah. your employees are going to evaluate any part of their job, figure out what they're comparing you to. Are they comparing you to other employees in the same industry because enough people have kind of switched jobs? Are they comparing you to what it was like here last year? Right. I, th- I think that that's part of the uh, problem that a lot of firms are having going back from remote work to in-person work is nobody had an expectation of working remote and then COVID hit. And now everybody was remote. And then now the businesses want to come back. But now the employee's reference point is my life was pretty great when I could work remote. My life was a lot yes. easier. Yes. And so with that reference point, what before was perfectly acceptable, commuting for an hour each way and then you know, working in a, in a noisy, distracting environment and you know, not being able to you know, handle small tasks during the day. All those things were perfectly acceptable until I had a different reference point. And now... I'm, I'm viewing them as losses. Now they're are much less. So that's my first, that would be my first insight is what are your employees comparing every aspect of their experience to? And if they don't have reference points, can you provide them with reference points? Make them realize that, oh no, things are actually pretty good here. You don't realize that compared to what, what other firms are doing, that we're doing a lot that can, that can help increase the positive experience that people have. 
Ryan, we've reached a new milestone, mate. What is that? I now have 70,000 people signed up for my LinkedIn newsletter called Why Customers Buy. 70,000, that's very impressive, Colin. That just so happens to be slightly more than the capacity of the first energy stadium where the Cleveland Browns play in Cleveland, Ohio. I've got to tell you, mate, that doesn't surprise me. My milestone doesn't seem as good now you mention Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, hey, beating the Cleveland Browns is still an accomplishment. It still is. <laughs> it would be for my five-year-old, but not for most football teams. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to sign up for my newsletter, go onto LinkedIn and search for Why Customers Buy, or just go to my profile, Colin Shaw, and sign up for a free LinkedIn newsletter. Just building on that, because you said it at the end, a reference point is also an expectation effectively. Yes. Yeah. If I've been, if I'm hearing that one of our competitors, everybody's working at home or whatever it may be, or that, you know, they've doubled their salaries or whatever else it may be, that's going to suddenly start upsetting me, isn't it? And I think that just turning around and Talk, again, talking about an industry and saying what's it like to do it working in there will also be another reference point. I, I think the other part then about it is is then it goes back into the framing bit, doesn't it? Which is how you framing what you're doing. And the interesting bit, I guess, is, and again, it applies with customers, is does it seem fair? And yeah. I guess when you think about it, Potentially, employees have got more of a voice than customers. I don't know. Maybe that's again company specific. So what I'm what I'm thinking about is, does it seem fair that this is what they're doing? Mind you, it's still a customer complaint, isn't it? So it's probably still the same type of the same type of thing, isn't it? Some of it will come down to some of the same factors for when. Customer complaints matter. So if, you know, we, we talk a lot about cable companies, but in a lot of places, uh, especially in the U.S., uh, cable companies operate in, in a monopoly or a duopoly where you, just, you don't have a lot of options. And so it kind of doesn't matter if customers complain. If your employees don't have a lot of outside options, then a lot of times it doesn't matter how unhappy they are, like they got nowhere else to go. If, however, you are operating in a highly competitive labor market, as um a lot of firms are now, then you really need to care because your employees have options and they can they can leave you just like your customers could if they're if you're competing in a competitive marketplace. Yeah, no, no, I, I, absolutely, and, and that becomes the that becomes the key issue, doesn't it? The interesting bit is as we start to as we it makes you again wonder whether to the point of the question. If we are entering into a market where there's going to be layoffs and now there's going to be jobs available and everything else, as we've been talking about with customer experience, i.e., it was interesting the other day, I read that Forrester believe that one in five customer experience jobs is going to go Hmm. because they're starting to lay people off. And who do you lay off where you lay people off where where it's sort of you're getting the least productivity out of that. So it's driving value. I guess my point is, does employee experience go down the same route? 
So in other words, does things start to defocus on employee experience hmm. because actually we're laying people off yeah. and we're going to get to an equilibrium. So at the moment, there's high demand for people. There's not enough people, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That clearly with the, with, uh, and you and I did a, the upside of a recession, doesn't I? With people being laid off, that's going to get to a more level point at some point. So during that period of time, are people going to defocus on the employee experience uh, as well? And I would imagine the reality is, is they probably would for particularly for the jobs that are vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that labor's a marketplace too. And yeah. So we'll respond to some of the same forces. So let's go back to the second part of Praveen's question, which is, so how do you go about building a great employee experience? Any thoughts? Reference points is one. Like, can you figure out what, what people are comparing the aspects of the reference to? Another couple of, of chestnuts that you and I love to return to that I think also apply, I, I would look at segmentation. So employees are not all the same and they want different things. Um, I'm thinking about what's been going on over the last you know month or two at, at Twitter where you know lots of people were laid off and then they were kind of given this threatening email saying, if you're not willing to be hardcore, then you should show yourself out. Uh, what's been surprising to me is not that Twitter shed like, you know, 50 to 80% of its employees, but instead that there are still some people who are there. <laughs> like, sure. um, I assume that these people have options um, working in Silicon Valley, but uh, there's some people who are still there. And it speaks to the fact that people have different goals and different things that they want. And, um, you know, I worked at a, a startup briefly years and years ago, fresh out of college, and it's very exciting. Like, um, putting in those long hours and really feeling like you're, you're making a difference and, and you know, moving things forward. And, but that like the thought of working that kind of job now, when I have kids and I have other things that I want to get done, is not remotely appealing to me. And so the idea that you would have different groups of people who want different things and you could accommodate to them and you could recruit accordingly, working in an MBA school, we send out a fair number of uh, our graduates to work in these management consulting firms, Bain and McKinsey and Accenture and that kind of thing. And those are famously uh, difficult jobs from a time perspective. You know, you're traveling all the time. You're... Sure. But there's also the customer journey, the employee journey. A lot of times people stay in those jobs for two or three years, sure. make a bunch of connections, get a bunch of experience, and then move out and do something else. Sure. And that's built into the business model. They realize that you know, there's a, a small group of people who are willing to do this. There's an even smaller group of people who are willing to do it long term. Sure. And those people move up in those organizations. But there's kind of like a, a friendly understanding that you're going to do this for a while and then you're going to move on to something else and we'll part ways friends. Sure. And I think it's a really smart appreciation of the fact that people are different and have different goals. And you want to surf those people who are, are most aligned with what it is that you you want to do and and yeah provide accommodations for for everybody else yeah i agree praveen to answer your question for me it goes back to those same things what's the employee experience that you're trying to deliver which emotions are you trying to evoke in your employees how are you going to go and evoke those emotions how do you design that customer journey? And how do you design that journey given the segmentation that, that, that Ryan's just talking about? 
But I, I think you touch on a, a few really interesting areas there, Ryan. And again, this is for me about is um, about building a great employee experience. So when you mentioned Twitter, it just made me think that just the clash of cultures. Yeah. 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 And how important the culture of the organization is. So understanding the culture of an organization, you know, one of the things I advise to people before they join us or whatever is to come and spend a day with us. Yeah. Just, you know, come in and spend some time in the office because I don't want them to make a mistake. Okay. So, because it costs me more money if I employ somebody and they leave after six months. Yeah. So, and I don't want them to make a mistake either, but come and see what the culture is, is like. And we can also then see what, see what they're like. So is there a culture fit? And obviously, you know, the dynamics between people in Twitter, et cetera, and the culture there. It, it also made me think about, as you were talking about segmentation. So, it made me think, I'll lay your money, there are people at Twitter that are staying just because they've got bloody stock options. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're being forced to stay, you know? Oh, well, not forced to stay, but Golden that then, anchor. yeah, uh, that then goes back to me, which is, again, the question that we've, we've I've said many times before for customer experience. What are the things that drive value? So if value in an employee experience is productivity, you want your employees to be the most productive. If another driver of value is tenure, so you want someone to stay with you a long time, if you want someone to be productive and perform well, et cetera, et cetera, then what things do you need, which buttons do you need to press to ensure that that happens? It's the same, again, the same thing as, as customer experience. And again, it just made me think about Leadership is so important. And we did uh, last week, and we'll put a link in the show notes to the five rules for, I can't remember what we called it, but five rules for essential, guaranteed to us, effective leadership. Anyway, five rules about leadership. And it just made me think back to that. You know, everything just comes from that leadership, doesn't it? So if you're building an effective employee experience, it's got to be. For me, it's got to be where are we trying to head, what are we trying to do, what emotions we're trying to employ in our our employees. But moreover, then how do we get the right bloody leaders in place? And there's a couple of great quotes as I as I was looking into this uh, before we started. Richard Branson, uh, a couple of great quotes that he said. One is look after your staff, and they'll look after your customers. It's that simple. And again, that goes back to the. Earl Sasser thing in the service profit chain, which is it's not just about you don't actually start with the customer and improving the customer experience, you start with the employee. The other thing is, which I thought was a great quote from Branson, which is um, train people well enough so they can leave, then treat them well enough so they don't want to. Yeah, that is great. And I thought, yeah, that's that's right. I, I always remember I had this um, guy that uh, was in our, one of my teams uh, called Dave. And the first day he joined the team, I sat down with him and I said, and this ties into your bit about McKinsey, actually, or the sending people out to consultancies. And I said to him, I said, so this was his first day. I said, do you know where you're going to move next? Do you know what your next job is? 
And he said, no. And he looked at me a bit surprised. And I said, well, to me, you've got to have that he, view. He thought of, you were firing him, Colin. He did, yeah. He's only been there an hour. But for me, you've got to have that view of where you are on your plan and what you want to do in 10 years' time. And therefore, for me, it was, well, what could you – and this goes back to the Branson quote – what could you learn during your time with us? Because I clearly know you're not going to be with us for 40 years. What are the things that I could help you with learning and then maybe even move you to another part of the organization where you can add, add value or whatever? I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think not enough organizations take that seriously and recognize employees care about their own progression. And so if you're not providing a career path for someone within your organization, then they're going to leave. And, and maybe it's like those consultancies where that's your plan and that's great. But a lot of employee employers seem to just get angry that employees don't want to stay in the same position forever. Um, yeah. Which is silly. Yeah. It's not. I've, I've got one, one more last one. If I yeah, can go on. throw it in. One thing that you and I have talked about on a couple of podcasts is the importance of easy. Yep. And I think that there's a real opportunity for Im- improving employee experience by Focusing on the small annoyances that trip up your employees. Yep. I have uh, former students who work at uh, Coca-Cola, and um, I was surprised to learn that in addition to the, the in-house daycare, which they have, they also, within the building, have a dry cleaner and a pharmacy um, yep. that employees can use. And it's just, it's such a relief to these employees to be able to not have to leave the building or leave early sure. or to not have to arrange their schedule or go in on weekends. Sure. You know, these are just the kind of the minor annoyances of everyday life. And if you can, yes. you know, facilitate making those things just a little bit easier on your employees, it, it really improves their experience. It also allows them to, you know, not be distracted and to, to work yes. harder and to focus. So, you know, Look for those things outside beyond just the, the job. Look to their lives and see, are there ways that we can make their lives easier? Um, and I think that that can provide real, real boosts in employee experience. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. My last piece of advice uh, would be just go back over the five years we've been doing this podcast, listen to all of them and substitute the word customer for employee because it's all the same stuff because you're talking about a human being. You won't go far wrong if you do that. And the danger is that employee experience is, the title is a passing title, but the importance of it is all will never pass because it's absolutely vital. Okay, so um, we hope that's been of uh, use to you today. Um, and please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Just hit the button, and then the podcast will be downloaded to your device, no matter where you are. Okay, thanks very much, everybody, and talk to you all next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.